0: I can confidently say, I'm Brent Leary.
1: With a little less confidence, I'd say on a scale of 1 to 10, 9.2, I'm Paul Greenberg.
0: That's enough for us to go ahead and do this show we call the CRM Players.
1: That was a little yeah. different, right? That was, we yeah, do we, we have it. any confidence in the name of the show? Not at all, but you know. I know. On Could a scale of, of zero, zero to, 1 to 10, 0. <laughs>
0: You know that term, fake it till you make it? Yeah. What do you think we've been doing for the last 13
1: years? I know. Still haven't <laughs> made it, though. <laughs>
0: no, nah, but well, we're good at faking it. So oh, yeah, yeah, we
1: sure are. We might have to keep a 13-year-old <laughs> fraud up. And we were able to
0: extend this early intro banter long enough so that our usual number one commenter got in
1: at number one. Ooh. Now, this one, I'm guessing, is runic viking
0: <laughs> i'm not taking a guess at all at that At
1: uh well the double that double dot over the oh w- wants me to make it a uh nordic language of some sort um okay wait, wait a minute um uh, icelandic gonna... i'm gonna say icelandic all right. or oh. or runic viking that's my other or big
0: latin all right so um Spin. Let us know what language, and, and I'm guessing that's some form of hello greeting or something like that, which is always well, nice see, to get from.
1: This. It might be. It might say, "I've got a cold." <laughs> got cold. Yep. Okay. And well. I and I vel snurdum. <laughs> <Yeah>. Okay. <laughs> that does sound. And vi- viral lugum. But so we have virus, not cold. not. Oh, right. So we move on. This one tricky yeah, it's it's not good
0: all right there it is it's icelandic you're right good guess. And good evening in the well-groomed venerable round <laughs>
1: wow. wow sven your your <laughs> use of creative english is astonishing too i have to say
0: <laughs> i'm just glad sven has made it here because i have a feeling because this time the show was actually not being run from my personal linkedin profile it's actually being run from
1: the, what's this page called again? PPN. What does that stand for though? Oh, Players Productions Network. Yeah, that.
0: Uh, this is the first time we're doing this. This is, uh, this is a brand new thing, which it's, uh, you know we, we, we
1: will be getting into a lot more, what, Monday, I guess? Monday, yeah. Monday, big announcement day. We'll be talking to you about multiple things just keep ppn in your heads through monday and then you can let it float away
0: <laughs> wow i thought you're going to say keep PPN in your thoughts and prayers like wow <laughs> no going we're not out. on
1: life support yet <laughs> we're going we're- out already yeah, that's
0: right <laughs> how how little we right. you
2: <laughs> let's
1: put it this way there's a reason we didn't call it ppn plus <laughs>
0: Anyway, it is Thursday afternoon. It is the CRM players. We're glad to see you. We have two.
1: Count. One, two. Great guests coming up very shortly. It was, sounds like we should be inserting a commercial at this point. It really, we'll, we'll be back I'm, in just a minute. In two and two... No,
0: not doing no. the Chuck Rollery thing again. Uh, no, we do have great guests. Actually... One guest, well, we've known them both for years. Yeah. One, we've been trying to get on for a while. Uh, and he is joining us a little, uh, you know, a couple of minutes. One, we had to bring on because there has been this celebration going on that I, I know you notice. Uh, a bunch of our friends at SAP, I've been seeing this, you know, this mention of SAP 50. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what the heck is
1: SAP 50?
0: Um, you know, it could be a number of things. Uh, but really? what it turns out to be, well, you know,
1: could be. I, think of one, I can literally not think of one thing it can be other than what it is.
0: Okay. Well, I was trying to add a little bit of, you know, <laughs> uh, but I couldn't think of anything. Uh, but anyway, uh, 1972, the year. Matter of fact, right. before we uh, bring this person on, I, I, I screen scraped. A little video that might set the stage for this. Here we go. All right.
1: 50 years ago, man had only recently stepped on the moon, and aliens were invading rock and roll as David Bowie introduced Ziggy Stardust. Computers were giant, and phone booths were on every corner. And while most of Germany was cheering for the West German team in the European Championship, a group of visionaries banded together to change the way businesses run
2: forever.
0: I, I cut it off at that point. Cause it's, it's like a 13 minute long, but it's a really good. Well done video. Yeah. Anyway, SAP, this is the year that SAP turns
1: 50, 1970. Happy 50. What 50. were you doing in 1972? You don't want to know. <laughs> I'll just put it this way just put this way there was at one point the things I was doing led to the FBI breaking into my apartment and crashing it. So you stormed the Capitol? No. (laughs) I'm just the FBI stormed my apartment. Oh right, but this was in the 1972, in fact.
0: Did it happen on January 6th,
1: 1972? No. Nope. Nope. It's close enough. That's what I was doing in 1972. You know what I
0: was doing in 1972? Nope. What? I was about to probably, because I can't really remember. I'm sure what I was getting ready to do was watch my first Rams game or something like that. (laughs) Uh, You You were
1: doing that? Wait, you were four? You
2: know, 1972?
0: (laughs) Uh, You know, I was getting into it. Matter of fact, and you see what I'm wearing right now. it's, It's a throwback. Right. To the year, this is the first Rams logo, so I thought, you know, fifty-year celebration. SAP, mm-hmm. I'd, I'd bring back some of the, you know, the the Rams stuff. Matter of fact, you know, got some good Rams reading material for the train. Oh, it came. Flight. Yes, for the flight to uh, Austin, Texas next week. But that's either here. Or here. All right, so SAP is celebrating its fiftieth, and we thought since we know a lot of really good people at SAP. Yeah, we sure do. And we've been able to, you know, over the years do some really interesting things with SAP either individually or as a player. Remember, I think our very first players episode at an event was at an SAP Sapphire event, right?
1: Was it? Remember John Burton? Oh, yeah, yeah. Of course. That was him. I think that Oh, that's right. Well, that was, yeah. We actually, that's right. we we uh, we recorded the event in that room. Yeah. I think Margo Heiligman set us up to record that event in that room. And John was our guest. And I remember we were, well, I was fixated on his Hawaiian shirt. Yeah,
0: no, I remember making fun of the Hawaiian
1: shirt. Yeah. That's what I remember. We were, being... It was hilarious. But John. That was, was a long time ago. <laughs> yes, it was. All we right. Were sitting in chairs at the front. Yeah. So
0: I know your relationship too. to SAP goes back even farther than that. Um, we've both had opportunities, and we love a lot of the people over there. And oh, one yeah. of the folks that we love, I'm not going to let you do your usual uh, introduction because we don't have as much time, <laughs> but I, I know how much you love our next guest, yes. Samir Patel. Yes. One you see of, him. The, loves, you one see of him.
1: the loves of my life right there. Sending all that love back, man.
0: <laughs> what I love about this is, it is summertime, and my man is sporting a vest. He's got the summer vest on as we speak. I thought he might do this. I wasn't sure. One hundred percent, man. You do not let me down
2: ever. So can I? Can I jump in on the? Uh, what was I doing in nineteen seventy-two? Question. Yeah. Sure. I was not even an idea. Right? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! I was not even I was not even an option of thought, a uh, a possibility, maybe even uh, in seventy two. Dude, you don't have to make it. Uh, like
1: it. So yeah, I'm, get, I'm getting off the show. Very, <laughs> I graduated college already. Right? I'm, every, I'm leaving. Feeling every gray beard hair in yeah. why shave it there you go <laughs> right you
0: go. um yeah man thanks for taking time to do that yeah 50 happy
2: 50 happy happy thank 50th. you thank you it's been an incredible celebration worldwide as you guys have probably seen yeah? so what does SAP of 50 mean to you Ah, <sighs> so many things man I mean I think you know I think I think primarily it's the culture, to be honest, right? Um, as you guys and I go way back, right? Um, uh, you know, I was at spending a good chunk of time on the Factor side, right? Years ago, I, I left. Um, and, you know, I had some time away to really think through, right, what this company is about. And, you know, it's funny. There's, like, I've got this question thrown at me when I was at SAP Success Factors back then and then for people who were looking to join and then I left and they're like, hey, you'll probably get an objective opinion. I'm looking at going to SAP. What do you think? And then, you know, since I've been here, we obviously built out a whole new team in CX, as you guys know. And, you know, when I get this culture question, I have the same answer, which just sort of I winged it the first time and I was like, that's actually really true. And that is truly how I feel was being some sort of scripted answer, right? Which is that? You know, people are like, well, what's it like to work? And I was like, listen, there's no straight-up answer for you, right? Which is just like any company and any job, you know, you may not like what you're doing at a certain time, which is normal. You are not like, but not enjoy, right? Or you've just going to live this life. Uh, you may even not like who you're working for. But I'm yet to meet somebody who says I don't like SAP, right? And there's very different answers, right? And I think it's this, you know, and I don't think it's in an HR manual or it's on any advertising billboard, but there's a, there's a cumulative North Star that people end up having in this company that kind of guides you to do the right thing, right? thing being, you know, be collaborative, be, you know, ask for context, don't judge. And I want to say that this company has a way of fighting back when people break some of those rules, right? Without, you know, not the company, I mean, the collective, right? Because they hold that very dear to themselves. Um, because i think it's made this company what it's made what's it's made this company what it is frankly right and it's allowed it to live through all the changes in technology that have been there in the ups and the downs over the years um and it's amazing how people like that stay at this company for a really long time and if that's not like what you and' you know, you know every company is a different culture if that's not yours um it's an uncomfortable place to be in because people really value um the collaborative nature of um of how they work together um, so that, to me, is like a remarkable thing that over the fifty years has been able to kind of hold on to, and um, in spite of all the changes, right? And then, obviously, I mean, it's a you know, for all of us who've been in tech, I mean, when you look at any company and you look back and you can like, holy crap, hundred thousand employees, one hundred forty countries, over four hundred thousand customers—that is a remarkable, remarkable feat, right? Um, for a company. It just is remarkable, right? So, those are, you know, to me, those are, that kind of fuels, I think, the next 50 years, right? That's, a, that's what a, fa- what, a, what a foundation, what a foundation, right? To be able to evolve because you have to evolve because the technology around us is and innovation is. But when you have those two, two, two things as rock solid, um, you know, elements of the floor beneath you, there's a lot you can do.
1: So, where do you I mean, SAP has obviously been evolving over those years from the standpoint of, a, let's say, everything ranging from its technology stack to its um, its environmental stances to I mean, just as a company in every facet. Um, let's say we're looking. Forget fifty years from now; I won't be around to verify that. But um, you never know. No, no. Well, if I make it to 127, <laughs> I'll. Uh, I'll I maybe around to haunt you. That's <laughs> more, <laughs> that might be different. But um, for the next, let's call it five years. Mm-hmm. All right. In five years. With, what do you see as the most significant evolutionary change in SAP will be in that five years?
2: Well, and I think, you know, I think there's sort of different facets to that right like the one you know without a doubt right is you know this again this is another trait of this company when it decides to get behind something almost to a fault it gets behind something right Right. and and it doesn't leave it till it's done right um combine that with the fact that you know employees here really get behind you know whether it's disagree and commit or fully behind it they get behind stuff right so you have that lever going and so no doubt that you know sustainability, right, um, will be something that will be will define this company mm-hmm. in many ways, and the focus on sustainability, right, whether it's inward and in how we work every day or uh, it's what we're doing, you know, on the on the product side. And you know, the thing that I think hard about is like when we think about the ability to make impact on things like sustainability. I mean, it's one thing to have a brand slogan and say, "Hey, we're sustainable, and we want to." get behind it but when you um have spent the last 50 years powering you know the supply chains of the planet right like as christian says you know the 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 value flows and the material flows of businesses you're it's not happy talk right like you're the, the the infrastructure on which sustainability can have positive documentable quantifiable impact um uh rests on you know, having the technology that powers the supply chain, right? And that's where you actually embed. And then, um, you know, so that I can call this, you know, this, this conversation with you a business, ex- business expense, I have to um, now make a plug for CX, right? <laughs> and, um, uh, and, and also say that, you know, the way a customer manifests and exposes what's happening on sustainability within their organization to their customers you know, you can always wait to publish it in an your annual report and give people five pages about what you do on sustainability, but you have another option, which is expose it via your front-end technology stack to their customers, right? So the ability for CX to be that, because it's that final mile at the edge of the organization that you use to speak to your own customers or your partners or your suppliers, right? Our ability to expose what our organization is doing within the flow of processes um, is, is, is a remarkable opportunity for us, right? Um, uh, to be able to expose it right at the point of purchase or at the point of decision when customers, customers are making decisions. So it's not that you hope that you read the annual report or some article uh, it's within the flow of, uh, of the experience, right. With the customer. So I think, I think, you know, I think to me, sustainability is the one big one. I think the second big one too, is, you know, let's use the most bastardized, abused word in enterprise software, one of the phrases, right, not the only one, but one of the phrases, which is digital transformation, business transformation, 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 right? Um, I actually do honestly believe, and, you know, you guys have known me long enough to not bring up stuff that I don't, you know, truly, truly, truly get behind and believe, right? Um, the, the ability to really sort of do true industry-based process transformation, Right. I don't think we've really realized that as we've spent the last de- decade getting very cloudified, which was normal. It's the first phase, right? You get into the cloud, but the telemetry that you have in your applications, the ability to connect different applications when it's cloud to cloud, is 10x better than you know doing it, uh, you know, uh, doing it uh, in a statics sort or of a localized environment, right? So I think that you know when you know when we have you know for example, you take automotive, right? And when you have such situations where You know, today, SAP is in a position where we're powering not just the technology stack of the automobile manufacturers that we all know, but their suppliers and their suppliers. How are you bringing connectivity to do true industry-based process transformation across all of these companies that are all using systems that we have, right? And they're in the cloud you know, we move out of these notions of sort of selling and having these edge process conversations around, how do I just fix something that is valuable to this one person inside an organization or one department to saying, what does that process actually need to look like? And if it needs to go and deep deep dive deep into the supply chain, then so be it. If it needs to touch some other application and field service, so be it, right? That level of transformation, I think, is something, you know, that really, really will define how, you know, we're looking at building... Uh, Technology, so okay. Well, that's a very achievable five-year goal, right? Like, that's not a 50-year goal. (laughs) Thank god, don't have any worries about seeing it. I'll be there to see it. You will. This is, I was optimizing my answer on things you (laughs) you are guaranteed to see, my friend. (laughs) All
0: right, so you know, we're in this crazy economic environment. What are you
2: talking about, man?
0: (laughs) You know. You hear, uh, you know, people are on the edge. There's fears of recession. You know, there's, you know, inflation has been running amok. But yet and still, jobs are still being created. There's a lot of stuff going on. And usually in these kind of environments, newer initiatives or initiatives that could potentially really shake things up tend to get put on the back burner. Mm -hmm. Sustainability could potentially be one of those. Um, But... When you, when I think about, and I was just asked this, you know, question. I had this really interesting conversation with Don Fluckinger over. I hope I said that right. Fluckinger. Yeah. Fluckinger. I'm gonna make sure everybody <laughs> here. The folks. Uh, <laughs> Did I say that again? <laughs> I wasn't. <talking. laughs> um, we had this really interesting conversation around Green CX, mm-hmm. and you know, SCP, of course, was one of the you know, reasons why we we're having that conversation. Uh, but in the midst of this kind of tumult, economic tumult, usually there's a you know, a lot of companies like to kind of go back to you know go in there, put their head in the corner, and just kind of hunker down and try to you know maintain. Um, but it also feels like there's an opportunity if you're truly serious about putting sustainability as a foundational aspect of your business or of your business, this may be a a better time to do that as opposed to retrench. How do you go about, are your customers kind of asking you about, you know, green CX? How, how do we do this without, uh, for lack of a better term, disrupting, you know, some of the things we don't want to disrupt and making investments, you know, when we're not sure of what's going to happen over the next six months, 12 months, years, how do you, what kind of conversation do you yeah, have in uh, that part. kind of area?
2: Um, listen, I think, you know, I'll, 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 uh, since you didn't ask, I'll, I'll broaden your question slightly, right? Like to, uh, um, today, you know, economic turmoil, let's also add in the pandemic and the other things, right. That are sort of bringing the, the sort of broader sense of, uh, uh, apprehension, anxiety, if you will, right? So I think there's two things, right? One is look, most of the customers that you know we're dealing with are building, looking to build resilient businesses that are, you know, for the next decade, two decades, three decades, right? So, you know, they're they would they there there there's two things. One is this planning for that long term and the strategic initiatives that they're gonna make over the mid to long term, that no six month or twelve month recession is going to come in the way of right because they're thinking through this from a from a more strategic standpoint it's not about like impacting just next water and then we find the next hot piece of technology to buy so sustainability clearly you know those are commitments that they've made you know you know it's like you know I don't think the car manufacturers if you look at the news are saying hey because of the recession coming I'm going to slow down my plan to be all electric by 2020 2030. that train has left the station right I also think that You know, one of the things that we've seen, especially in CX, is um, uh, the ability for the need and the dire need during times like this. And a lot of this was driven more by the pandemic than it was the economy. Right. Were uh, what customers realized was, you know, one of the value propositions they were looking for from CX was adaptability. Right. Um, As you guys saw you know, hundreds and hundreds of retail, I mean, manufacturing and, and, and distrib- manufacturers went D to C, right? They opened up a D to C channel because of all of the, the disruptions in distribution. Well, those aren't going away. Those weren't temporary measures, right? Like as they sort of studied that now, I'm not saying they're all giving up their distribution. Many of them, like most companies will coexist with their distributors, right? But, you know, the uh, these are there, there are new habits we've learned through the pandemic that are habits we want to keep, right? know we're going to talk about food at some point so we'll just start now um um you know i mean through the pandemic in my household like our you know like anybody else's eating out was something you didn't do you did a lot more eating in right cooking in but post pandemic every restaurant's open we eat out 30 to 40% of as much as we did pre-pandemic. It's just become like something right. we prefer, right? And that it's like we've learned a new muscle. We would have never learned this muscle. We were not be forced into it. So you see a lot more, you know, engagement behaviors, commerce behaviors, um, service behaviors that, you know, we we the, the pandemic or the recession or whatever might have induced, but they start to just become better business. So... You know between those two trends of like you know if you were on a path to do something that drove um that drove uh uh drove you know strategic initiatives like sustainability like becoming green our customers we have are not those weren't those were you know sort of things i wanted to tout in the news right so they're, they're they've planned for these things these are things that their boards have walked them through and that is how the businesses are going to evolve so you know, I think the ones are gonna the ones are gonna stick on. They're gonna just stick on and be resilient about it and see it through. Right.
0: Awesome. Hey, we really appreciate you doing this. I know it was yeah. short notice. All good, man. Anything? Short very, notice yeah. to you. By That's the way, the logic, man, you should get SAP to fund a uh, Samir summer vest line. <laughs> <laughs> summer
2: <laughs> vest line. I like that. vest. That
0: specialized, man. Specialized.
2: I have an off- I have a closet in my office, which is my vest closet. Like I wake my up
1: face and face. I'm excited
2: about which one I'm. going to Got 134 vests. I'll get there. I'm on my way. On my way. <laughs> well, thank you for having me, guys. Always, Are you kidding? You big hugs to both of you. Happy fiftieth! Thank big you. Big hug.
1: Absolutely. We will do it. Not even soon. SAP comes into existence, and you're not even a thought at that point. That's all. I, would I That's my takeaway. That's my takeaway. Yeah, that's the big thing. Not even an idea. How much older we are. Not even an idea. Yeah. (laughs) Take care, guys. All right. Love you. Bye.
0: That was fun.
1: Oh, I love Samir. What can I say? I do feel a lot older now, but yeah, it's still fun. I'm not gonna forget that part.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right. We're gonna keep the fun going, continuing, because our next guest is a fun guy too. We've known him for years, too.
1: Yeah. We need to I think him. all of us were thoughts then.
2: Yeah, well, yeah. At least. That's also, all right.
1: Even We were old enough to even have thoughts at that point. <laughs> right. I don't want you to know what my thoughts were. At that. Right. But we had them.
0: There it is. So do you want to do your usual yes. venerable Paul? Absolutely. There it is.
1: All right. All right. So, again, not saying the name to start. So I met this guy many years ago. I was... Speaking at SugarCon as one of the keynotes, and I was, of course, did my usual, which was to be way too verbose, go way over time, <laughs> and start to cut into the next speaker's time. Uh, I found out that the next speaker, speaker had graciously said, been asked, "You know, are you okay?" to absolutely let him keep going, and that speaker. Was at again, I'm not saying his name yet. Was an investor in Sugar CRM at that time who later became its CEO. And I not only was I grateful from that first moment, but I knew what a nice human being that person was from the very first time I met him because I over talked, right? And and he's kept that <laughs> title as one of the nicest people I've ever met. For years and years and years, in fact, when back in the day of his CEOdom at Sugar CRM, we is voted this gentleman, word? the nicest CEO in the industry. Now he is no longer at Sugar. He's investing in a number of places, having a great time consulting, living his life. His name is Larry Augustine, and he's one of our favorite people in the world. And there and he here is. he is. Ah, There's the man.
3: I don't know what to do after that intro, Paul. Thanks. <laughs> I was trying great.
1: to actually speak so long. You offered me some more time.
3: <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you know that was purely. Uh, um, Never uh, You were a lot more interesting than I was, so I, I was thinking of the audience when I had yeah, that in mind. you were it good, was, man. You, you I were remember the, your speech. You, you were the you were the one that they wanted to see. So no, nah, so, you but were. No, great. I was happy. I. I, I Always loved listening to your talks. It's fantastic. So, I well,
1: I actually that was one of the conferences I always enjoyed the most, and it was while you were CEO there. Was SugarCon? I think I keynoted it like three or four times actually, and I absolutely loved doing it. And I actually had the best audience reaction in my entire history from Sugar a uh, SugarCon. I kind of knew I was on fire, and they you did audience ratings. There were eight hundred people. I remember. And You did audience ratings. I don't know how many. It was a couple hundred. Respect. And my average score out of five was
3: five. Yeah, right. No, it was. No, no, no. I,
1: it was amazing. Yeah,
3: no. I, oh. We were always, always happy to have you back. So well, yeah, I was, it was always fantastic. happy to
1: come back. And then, just can I tell people about that one other thing we used to do with the Irish whiskey?
3: <laughs> sure. Why not?
1: Okay, this is the other thing I, I should have brought it up. <laughs> we got Larry and I. Both love Irish whiskey. And we, not coincidentally, I guess, have the same favorite Irish whiskey store, <laughs> which happens to be in Dublin. It's called Celtic Whiskey. And so we were talking about this at Sugarcom one day. And we some I don't remember which one, it was a long time back, but we determined that at the next SugarCon we would bring each other bottles of Irish whiskey. And for probably ultimately five years straight until things just changed. Um, We did that every year. And I'm not going to get into the story now because it would take away from your actual time, but there was one story. I am happy to tell people if you ask me for it, I'll tell you literally, I'll write it out about what Larry did for me once. That was astonishing when it came to Irish whiskey, but I'll leave that. I'll leave that for another day. But that's I love doing that with you. I mean, that was like one of my no, fantastic.
3: <laughs> I, I, I got some great, great things to try. You know, Paul, you're the, you know, no, you, you this. I actually,
1: mean, nah. you
3: know, you have like a hundred times, you know what I have. So,
1: yeah, but your knowledge but, uh, is amazing. Your choices is uh, away. A, a, a few. I, uh, I, I you
3: remember. know, I, 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 I'll say this is where I'll, I'll go for quality over quantity, <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, I just want to uh, throw out something. This is this is going back at least a decade or so. Um, it was at a CRM evolution conference. I don't know which one, um, but it was one of the the first ones where I started talking about Amazon at length, and uh, I forget exactly what I touched on a lot of different things that Amazon was doing, but. Larry is in the was in the, in the room and he was, you know, kind of listening. And after I was done, we got a chance to talk. And Larry, I don't know if you remember the conversation we talked about should Amazon or would or potentially would Amazon buy either FedEx or UPS? Yes. Because it, it, it just felt like they were going to have to do something on their yeah. own when it comes to shipping.
3: You remember that conversation? Oh, absolutely. Are you kidding? That was, uh, you know, uh, we were having that discussion about Amazon becoming where do they go next? Right? right. And and my argument was that they had to become vertically integrated. And and if you think about Amazon, that's one of the strategies of Amazon. What is it? Uh, Jeff Bezos says your margin is my opportunity. Yeah. Right. And and if you think about that every step of the way where they can take over someone else's gross margin dollars. They're good at it, and when it comes to logistics, delivery—I mean, that was what Amazon was built on—and taking that to the next mile, all the way to the house—and and you know, they—they they, first of all, they get all that gross margin, but then they get the end-to-end control. And uh, um, the thing that I didn't understand at the time is that um, Amazon would rather reinvent. The business process and the capability from scratch to do it in a new way, in a in, in a with new technology and, and make it better than buy something that exists that may already have a lot of the infrastructure in place, but which was designed and built on technologies of you know fifty years ago, forty years ago, decades ago, right? And so you know you see ultimately they're doing it themselves. You know, they've, they've, they've they've built out all the tools, the fleet, Uh, you know, they're going, their goal is to go all electric, uh, uh, you know, in terms of delivery fleet, but the, but the idea that, you know, someone, um, you know, the delivery is there, you get a picture of exactly where the box is, right, when it's delivered, but but sort of reinventing that and owning that supply chain end to end. Yeah. uh, um, No, I remember that, that, that that conversation and as i watched them kind of move down that path uh uh you know i my first thought was they they would acquire it but <laughs> again they're willing to invest for the long term and own it and and so yeah and- conversation and you ultimately wrote a book there uh, on amazon didn't well, you? well i was
0: supposed to but i could never do it because they were always doing something new and it frustrated <laughs> me to the point where i, I could never finish like I- why did they got to keep doing this stuff? So I just stopped, but that was before you even worked there. This is, this is how far before.
3: You well, were- well it, is, it is interesting. I know you spent time there more time than now. And then I ended up, I ended up over at AWS running uh, the applications businesses.
1: I know.
0: Right. But you spent 10 years as what the CEO of sugar, right?
3: About- yeah. spent, uh, spent about 10 years over at sugar CRM and, and, uh, uh, know that was my introduction really to the customer relationship management business and and i I had not been really at the applications layer as much before right um but i i I really really love the space because you can have such great strategic conversations with businesses and ceos and it's all about how do I make your customers happier? How do I make your customers love you more? How do I grow your business? I mean, those are, who doesn't want to do any of those things. Yeah. Right. And, and so, uh, and, and people care so much about their customers and all these businesses that, that it was, it was always such a fun place. And it's part of the reason why, you know, post that I've continued to spend the time and, you know, Love seeing what you guys are doing and and uh, staying interested in the space. So yeah, uh, um, you know, just just learn to love it.
1: Well, you know, there was one thing that I know you were um, uh, noodling noodling around, and uh, which was, and it directly applies to let's say historical or evolution of historical CRM and and, uh, and other systems like it, which was you are thinking in terms of what you're calling. Um, systems of action um, which yes, can what, kind of <laughs> dig into that a little bit because I think the yeah, it, it, world it, would it, love
3: to hear it and I don't think this narrative is terribly uh, isn't always a, isn't all that original or new, but many of the systems that we use to run companies today were were, were built because we had to record things, keep track of things, report on things. Um, and if you talk to the VP of Sales, and you know, in big company, you often hear, well, I, I need to know what my team is doing. I need to know what's going, what's happening. I need to be able to forecast. And those are all things that are important to the business. But most of the systems that, that were built for for decades were designed to help management and to help the business run. Um, they weren't really designed to help an individual get work done. And, and that's a change that we're going through. And people have been talking about this change for a while. Um, I think we still have a long way to go to get there. And and I I call this the transition to systems of action, systems that help someone get the job done. Right. You know, you're a salesperson. You're you're about to go into a customer call. You know, is the first thing on your mind thinking, how am I going to forecast this deal? No, you're not thinking you're, you're thinking, you know, what does this person care about? What do I have to convey to them? you know, how am I going to help their business? Let me understand their business. Let me have a conversation with them. And, uh, uh, that's true across most enterprise apps is they're, they're not great at helping people get work done. They're still mostly about recording the fact that someone did something, you know, uh, um, I even go back to simple examples like calendaring. you know, you think about it, um, uh, the traditional calendar that we all use is the place we record what is on our schedule. But what we really want is something to help us create our schedule, right? A system where where you know it 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 compares open times, it suggests when we should be meeting, it helps us schedule things. it's a transformation in how we, um, uh, how these systems help us. And again, I push on this in the idea of systems of action, and it was always something I wanted to push at Sugar CRM. And, you know, I think we did a good job of doing some of it, but, but just in general, a long, long way to go. And, and um, um, I push this at AWS for applications there as well. It's just how do we get out of the business of just, you know, having people record what they do and helping them do things? You know, another principle that I throw into that is, is this idea of um, uh, amount of data. And, what ha- and this is, software loves to ask people for things. So you spend your whole time filling out fields or putting data in. And I always challenged my teams whenever they'd say, well, we need to ask. We can ask the, uh, the user for this. I'd always challenge them. How do you not ask the user for that? Shouldn't we know that? and you think about what we can do with natural language processing, AI today, the, the, the ability to, to um, follow what someone is doing, we can, we can learn an awful lot and, and figure it out without having to ask the person things along the way. And, and um, you know, Google is a great example of that. You know, you don't spend a lot of time putting information into Google, but you sort of do because it's a side effect. Of, of of doing things right, but mm-hmm. you get you ask Google things, it gives you a lot of information back, and and that's the way we ought to be thinking about applications. So well, you know, yeah, to the, your the point, actually,
1: concept. to your point on that, the latter on, shouldn't we ha- shouldn't we just know it? Um, one of the things I know that some of the newer SFA type products are focusing around is that you know, so for example, I think. <laughs> I think I'm almost sure I'm right. The you know, Microsoft Viva sales, which is kind of one of their newer products uh, has kind of um, auto, automatic data population, I guess I'll call it meaning rather than the salesperson asking and then typing in what they need to type in, it just takes care of that for you. Uh, it's just mm-hmm. done.
3: Right. It and just be done.
1: Yeah. And I think now, again, I'm, I'm a little hazy on this. I just have to go but I'd have to go in my notes. I think also um, Oracle Fusion Sales, which is a new product uh, coming at some point, um, does that too. Although I may be wrong about that. So, um, so the, your thinking is actually starting to get inculcated into the actual uh, building of products now.
3: One of the things we introduced when I was at uh, AWS was this product uh, uh, Contact Lens Real Time that sat along with our, our contact center, Connect product. And that, that would listen to the conversation in real time, doing, doing um, speech to text, uh, doing an AI analysis, and NLP on that conversation, and then looking up in the knowledge base, relevant information related to the conversation and displaying that information to the call center agent uh, in real time. The idea being that, that, you know, a call center agent sitting there, you're having a conversation with a person. Do you really want that person to say, okay, hold on a second, go do a search, look up something, and then read an answer back to you? That isn't a great experience. You want that that agent to be able to do what they're, they're a person. You want them to act like a person. You want to talk mm-hmm. to them. You want to have a conversation with them. Right. And the more you can it, enable that person to have the information they need at their fingertips without having to go search, without having to take time away from the focus on the person that they're talking to, to have to go look that up, the more you can enable that personal experience. Right. And so, so that's an example of, of, uh, you know, where we're beginning to bring this in and, that's an example of one of the things that uh, we did when I was at AWS that I that I think that falls into that bucket. Yeah, so so we're making progress. I think I think we're making progress, but it just I, you know people have been talking this about it for a while. And it just seems like we have so far to go, and I, I think it, it, it's easy sometimes to lose track of this idea that you know the the real job is that poor person is trying to get something done. Help them, you know. Don't make more work for them. All right. So.
0: I want to go in a slightly different direction but sure. I want I want you to focus on what you just said. Yo, know, you want to be able to help folks get stuff done. So you spent a, a roughly about a decade as a CEO of a of a small software company, Sugar. Um, and then you took, you know, took a little time off and then you jumped in and you became, you know, VP level at a BMF. <laughs> I mean, with, with uh, AWS, can you compare and contrast like, you know, what it was like to go from being a CEO of a small company to being, you know, a VP level at a huge company? What, what did you adjustments did you have to make? And then, you know, which one do you prefer? Do you see yourself Uh, either one of those
3: kind of things? They're both, you know, um, uh, they're both great experiences, and and uh, I, I've just been, I think, really lucky in my career to be able to do both and do and do all those things. And one of the things, if you if you kind of look at at my career, and I give this, I don't know if this great career advice for people, but I give it to people, which is do things you enjoy and do things you learn from. Uh, for me, uh, I tend to do different things at different stages of my career because I like learning new things. I love the challenge of something new and I like learning from it. And part of the reason I, uh, I went to AWS was I wanted to learn about that organization and, and understand, I mean, they, they're just fantastic at things. And if you're in the tech world today, you're probably building on AWS infrastructure. I mean, it is, it has fueled a great, great part of the um, entrepreneurial, uh development of new technologies today and new 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 companies um, so i wanted to, to get inside that and uh, I, I really enjoyed seeing the and being able to operate at that scale uh that was one of the things that was fun and interesting you know in, in the smaller company you have it's this interesting contrast a smaller company you can tend to have control of everything which is hey we're going to do a product i can decide we're going to do a product to go we're going to go launch it i can drive that across the whole organization i can make everything happen from sales to marketing to engineering to to do it you know uh, uh, and you can you can pull all that together but you don't necessarily have the reach to do and the scale to do everything you want Uh, at at a place like aws uh and amazon okay you're in a bigger company you have um you have more infrastructure and constraints around you. There are expectations because you're building a, an AWS product. There, there, there are various things you have to plug into. So you're a little bit more constrained in terms of flexibility about doing all those things. Although I will say Amazon is a great place for, for, you know, pushing people to just have the flexibility and get things done, but you still have to fit within, you know, the, the, the structure of the organization, but you have, Immense resources to pull on, right? You know, you 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 can you can go. I can go to fifty and this, do this regularly. We go to fifty of the you know largest companies in the world and talk to them about product ideas. You know, how can we be helpful? What can we bring to you? You know, we're, we've got we've got this new thing where, we're, where we want to bring out to market this new idea. Um, uh, I have the instant access to do that, and have the reach and have the scale to make some of those things happen. So it's, 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 it's different. They are both fun. They are both interesting. Um, um, I find personally that that uh, uh, I I think one of the big challenges in uh, bringing new technology out to the world today uh, is is sales and marketing, which is interesting because I'm an engineer by training, I think it's actually gotten easier to build the technology, I think it's gotten harder to get it in the hands mm-hmm. of customers. And so I personally find that that I like to get my hands very deep on the sales and marketing side because reaching customers is actually, I think, the biggest problem in, cre- in bringing out a new technology today. And so um, uh, in spite of the reach of, of a big company, I, I, I find sometimes that it's harder for big companies to do that because they have so much installed base. They have so much weight behind existing products. Uh, So it's fascinating. One of the things I like about the smaller companies in many ways, I think you have a more of an opportunity to put all the weight behind some new ideas. Mm -hmm. So it's just, it's, it's really, really fascinating contrast between the two.
1: So let's take this because look, I mean, really you've, You've had a lot of, uh, let's say, managerial administrative positions, but if I look over your history, you've been a, let's call it a very wise investor in a lot of things. And that's kind of (laughs) where your history is. And you've chosen, you've made a lot of very, very good bets, let's just say. Um, Well, that's because we don't talk about
3: the bad ones. (laughs)
1: Oh, okay. So, what? No, I'm not. Gonna no, no.
3: I, I knew. I knew this venture fund that used to have on their on their web page. You know, they have all the good ones. They used to have the page called the ones that got away, and and they had the list of things they didn't do. That, <laughs> but yeah. Uh, but yeah, no. Look look. Uh, um, uh, uh, I enjoy it, and I've been lucky enough to be part of some good ones there. So you were saying, you're, Paul, you're,
1: what's your strategy? Because I looked at your current number of companies that you're investing in and they are so diverse in terms of what they are there's no actual common thread i can see in what they do so that my question is how do you even determine this how do you pick how do you think about it i i honestly couldn't read a thing into a pat i couldn't find a pattern in anything
3: (laughs) i look for i look for for people that are um excited about what they do um, all in with it and solving an interesting problem where people, people kind of know they have a problem. Um, and th- there, there, are, there are some common things there. Um, uh, you know, uh, uh for example, I've, I've got this business, uh, I'm working with uh, people Ray that does the, uh, virtual agent for it and HR help desk. And, you know, a lot of that ties to my, uh, uh, experience with call center, customer experience, you know, that space, because it's really about helping employees get information. It's also a um, AI, what I call an AI native company, which is reimagining a, uh, an application sort of built from the ground up around AI. That's a theme I like. Um, uh, I'm doing another one, uh, uh, another company I've spent time with, uh, Open OpenDB a uh, completely different space. Um, uh, if you're familiar with the Bloomberg Terminal. Yeah. So so th- th- there are like 300,000 users of Bloomberg Terminals today. And that's because the Bloomberg Terminal is a $20,000 plus per year thing. But what's happened in recent years, retail investing has gone big. Retail investors now drive markets. And there are tens of millions of people doing stock picking, uh, investing uh, as individuals, what's the Bloomberg terminal for them? They don't have access to that. And uh, the thing that uh, these guys are doing with OpenVB is uh, democratizing access to financial information, making it available. So imagine tens of millions of users you know, uh, um, with access to something that used to be um, really expensive that only a few people had. I love those kind of go you know drive the price way down and go broad with things you know it, it's it's a little bit if you you know like remember the computer it's just some of us are old enough to remember PCs when they first came out <laughs> and things I, I, you know I, I don't you guys may not be old enough to but uh, um the fact wow, that so the, the the fact that a piece but but this idea that that a computer you know became this a this thing that you could buy, you know, originally for a, thousand, a couple thousand dollars, and now you know for a hundred dollars, or you know, the, the prices are just crazy. But as the price goes down, the market gets big. I, I, I love that concept in businesses where you take something that that only a few people could afford or benefit, but then you really lower the price, and now you make it available to, to mass numbers of people and you hugely grow the market. I love businesses like that. Um, cause I think they just, you know, I think they make life better for everyone because you, you, you've taken something that used to be the domain of a few and you've now enabled many people to have it. I think they make life better for everyone. I think they're a, um, uh, they're, they're a fun place to be because of that. And, and, uh, uh you know, I like businesses like that. So if you see me doing some kind of things that feel a little, Consumer retail, it's probably something like that. Okay. That I like. Okay. Um, uh, you know, I, one of the ones I also I told you I'm doing this is this, this, this uh, company uh, recently invested in that does um, flywheel batteries for residential. You know, well, where'd that come from? Well, uh, uh, today, if you wanted to do uh, battery backup for your home, you're, you're, you're buying expensive lithium ion batteries. It's 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 again, it's not a technology that can go mass market. This flywheel flywheel battery technology can go mass market. It's you know, it's a tenth the price. And um, uh, it's something that that you could imagine every small home, uh, you know, in the world having one of these things and significantly improving their carbon footprint um, And, uh, you know, improving their access to energy and costs, you know, because you could put one of these things in. So it's it's really uh, uh, those are fun places to be. It's amazing. Wow. (laughs) So, yeah. So uh, I'm lucky enough to get to see a lot of these fun things.
1: I'm really curious as to what a flywheel battery looks like.
3: It's 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 like, you know. (laughs) Ten feet across and uh, six feet high, and there's this huge, huge, uh, um, several ton. Uh, it's not metal; it's uh, it's layered composites of things. But this thing is spinning at ten thousand RPMs, and it stores wow. energy. Wow! Yeah, 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 yeah. It's fun stuff. Amazing.
0: Absolutely, it's been a great conversation. But I want to hit it hit you with some quick ones. Uh, sure. Um, okay. So does, what happens with, uh, with Twitter? Does it get bought (laughs) by Elon? Do they sue and he has to buy? Does somebody else come in? What, what do you think will happen with this? This is a big mess. Oh,
3: it's first of all, it's a big mess. (laughs) It's a, it's a big distraction. Um, uh, I, I, to be fair, I'm not sure how a, a Tesla or a SpaceX investor kind of puts up with, with <laughs> the distraction around the business there. But anyway, it's 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 uh, it's tough. I um, uh, I also think it's really tough to force somebody to buy something <laughs> if they have walked away from it. You know, uh, it's what do you do? You end up you end up owning the thing that you said, yeah, well, I kind of thought I wanted to own it at the beginning. But I decided it really wasn't worth it. But now I have it. You know, how do you how are you in a position to to uh, get excited about the thing you own and really tell people (laughs) you you want to push it? So I think it's a really odd, you know, odd place to end up. Um, uh, I also think the guy has a contract there and, uh, uh, you know, Twitter's not going to let him just walk away. So uh, I think I end up paying something there, but I think it'd be odd to end up owning the business in that place. I don't know. I think Twitter, Tw- Twitter has bigger problems to solve. Okay, I, I I do a lot on Twitter. I have a lot of Twitter followers. I, I post things. I don't post a lot, but but um, Twitter has an interesting reach. But it's also this place where it's it's a very caustic environment. It reminds me of the old early. You know, internet bulletin board days, um, uh, where you you had you know a, a lot of trolling, and and it, it's just it's not it's not really a great environment. And I think uh, I, I don't know how to fix that where Twitter is. You know, back when we ran, um, uh, some of you remember remember I had, had a had a, a, a business slash dot that we ran back in the yeah. you know, in VA Linux days, and had a great great team. And, <clears throat> Wired slash dot. And I got to tell you, those guys knew what they were doing. They they had this moderation system that I still think is one of the uh, premier ways of moderating content. And uh, it was based on multiple levels of moderation, and and you could read you could read posts uh, uh, at different moderation levels. So basically, if you said, "Give me only the cream of the crop," you could see it. And if you wanted to say, give me all of the, you know, all the worst stuff all the way down, you you could do that, too. You had you had the choice. Right. Um, and uh, Twitter doesn't have doesn't have that 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 ability. And I think it's a I think it's a problem for the platform.
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, generally, that caustic environment problem for every social platform at this point. Look, even- it is even the new york post comment sections are huh. horrible to read every single thing you read on every single I, thing I that tell, the <laughs> comment section
3: paul you probably uh, probably get some of this but but when I, I i talk to companies occasionally that are that are trying to figure out community strategies and yeah. how to build and, and and what to put together there and and one of the things i tell them in that process is is you know you got to understand you open things up on the internet you run this this caustic environment problem um you 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 need to make sure that whatever you're using there you have a uh you have thought about that problem and you have a an approach and and you're prepared for it um uh, and if you don't you end up with these uh caustic environments i think twitter's got kind of that problem right now
0: yeah huge well and it sounds like linkedin is actually starting to have that same kind of problem based on a conversation we had yesterday in our what do we call that thing
1: again? Even more joyous hour. Yeah.
3: that. Uh, even more joyous
1: hour. Well, it's not, it's our, we, hour. It's our happy hour that went from happy hour in 2020 to happier hour in 2021 to even more joyous hour in 2022. We escalate each year. And we've, we've had 130, 132 of them. Yeah. Nice. All
0: right. Yeah. So this is, this is the last quote. Well, second to last one qu- So, he saw where Netflix is, is going to do some sort of ad-supported model to, because the subscription model is not working out for them anymore. They're, they're losing subscribers. They chose Microsoft as an adver- advertising partner over Google. Yeah. Do you see, you know, because I think they lost another 970,000 subscribers based on their earnings. Yeah. Do you see an opportunity for Microsoft to just buy them outright and make them part of their content arm?
3: I, I think somebody buys Netflix. Okay, um, uh, I, I don't know if I know if if, if I'm capable of predicting who, but I think somebody buys Netflix. The the thing we have to remember about Netflix is um, I don't know the numbers exactly off the top of my head, but I know that I know the relative numbers. Netflix has more subscribers than any cable company in the U.S. ever had, and so when we sit here and, and it's getting Netflix is getting slammed because they because they lost, you know, uh, what was quite frankly a small percentage of those subscribers, they still have a far greater reach than any cable company or any of these media companies, you know, have had, and and that is a huge huge asset. Now now I, I think Netflix has some fundamental transformation things that they're going to have to to go through here um, to do that. But I think it's a it's a a hugely valuable asset. And if um, and if the stock price stays depressed, you know, somebody's likely to go after that. Um, By the way, I also wouldn't put it past them to figure out things. You know, that's a business that has remember that business started in the in the DVD rental (laughs) business. Right. Don't don't. don't underestimate their willingness to transform as the customer base transforms. Uh, um, so I would not put it past read, you know, to, to figure out a, you know, a next a next step there, that that gets a ton. Um, uh, I think it gets harder as you get bigger, you got to, you know, moving into a, a huge installed base is uh, tougher than moving a small installed base but uh um, uh the industry is changing uh, uh there's much more competition from subscription services yeah um uh there's a lot more opportunity around um um ad supported services and so so they're going to go do that but uh yeah it wouldn't surprise me to see somebody End up picking up that picking up them as an asset. Well, I, think
1: I have a, I have, interesting that interesting. I have forty dollars on it right now. Down. I already have forty dollars down for it.
3: <laughs> there and you go. Out, there you go. Last
1: night, and I'm willing to double that.
3: <laughs> well, you know, you know, Brent, this is like a uh, 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 You asked that question, but it's a little bit of a uh, I don't know. Say personal interest of my. You know, my daughter uh, has uh, a dual degree in film and computer engineering. So, oh, we, we, we're, we're, yeah, yeah, it's fascinating. So, we are the family that sits around and, you know, uh, uh, we analyze what's happening uh, with services like Netflix and movies and, and, and such. So, um, uh, this is kind of a personal hobby is uh, uh, entertainment, media, movies. <laughs> oh, yeah. Nice. I'll be happy. We should just do like a movie review. Segment. I do in
0: a minute. We oh, may man. have to have a conversation.
3: Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, and I want to do this weekend streaming as a like a you know.
1: Wow. Ooh. We may have. There go. Yes, we will have a conversation. Yes, with we, you we, and you you Your daughter. Have, well, wait a minute.
0: We may have a conversation based on this. The answer to this last question. Because oh, I don't
1: yes. think I've ever asked this of him before, have you? Well, we kind of know where it's going to go.
0: I
3: I kind of feel
1: safe. I feel like because of where he lives, we're probably
0: Oh, I'm
3: sorry. I'm I'm losing the connection here.
0: (laughs) We have one question we ask each of our guests. And even though we've had a fascinating, great conversation, and we've known you for years, depending on you answer this next question, we may never speak to you again. (laughs) (laughs) Not that there's any pressure or anything.
3: No pressure. No pressure.
0: (laughs) But... Do you have a favorite NFL team? Oh
3: God! You know, I'm sorry. Every time I see you come on with the Lambs, I mean the Rams. Here, uh, 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 yeah. there's more uh,
0: than one wrong answer. I, mean, I
3: don't know. <laughs> um, okay, so um, I grew up in Southern Ohio. Oh, okay. I so I grew up. I grew up. Ohio with, Ohio, though. Uh, I grew up. I grew up with this team that, at one point in their history, had the um, uh, had the distinction of having the worst, you know, winning percentage—the highest, you know, the worst lovely. winning percentage among any professional sports team, not just football, but if you threw in baseball, hockey, basketball, and football. There was a decade long period where the Cincinnati Bengals had the worst winning percentage across all major league sports. So, um, so, uh, um, uh, but I do remember the years, and some of you may may know this that there was a gentleman named Kenny Anderson, yeah, who was the uh, quarterback. Yeah, do yep. you know who his quarterback coach was at Cincinnati? Yes. No. Oh, was it? Wasn't it Bill Walsh? It was Bill Walsh. Yeah, wow, exactly, exactly. So so, so, so I always have a little bit of a soft place in my. Uh oh, something's talking to me. Um, <laughs> so, so I always uh, have a little bit of a soft spot for the Bengals.
0: Okay? I have one too. Now, considering we beat them in the Super Bowl, just I,
3: <laughs> I just yeah, you know, look, look, I, I, I always, I, I always expect the Bengals to lose, and there you go. You know, I like them. but um uh I have to say that um uh so that was kind of where I grew up. But I've been in the barrier a long time and um uh we've spent a lot of time with uh 49ers and, and, sure. and Raiders and we're kind of you know a, a lot of the Raiders fans, you know. Uh, um yeah, yeah, Raiders, you know. Uh um You're the black hole? Jim Jim Plunkett is a you know good family friend.
1: Oh, really? You know
0: Jim? Oh, yeah.
3: Yes. Jim, good, good, good family friend. I
1: loved, I used to love watching him.
3: Yeah. Yeah. And, and, uh, um, uh, I always felt sorry for Jim all those years in the, you know, my, 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 uh, my mother's side of the family is New England, you know, Boston. Mm -hmm. So, so they were always Patriots fans. And, you know, you Mm can always mention Jim's name to them and they just shake their head and they say, oh, I feel so sorry for that guy. He got beat up all those years there. You know, and uh, um, he was their number uh, one pick, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And he is the only um, Super Bowl MVP quarterback to not be in the Hall of Fame. I mean, really? He
0: won two of them,
3: right? He won two. I believe he was MVP uh, for at least one of those. And um, he is not in the Hall of Fame. He deserves a in. B- and so well, every year, there's kind of this little, you know, it goes around amongst uh, friends and family, and you know a bunch of the the the, the Raiders, you know, the ex players and such. And yeah. and uh, there's a little bit of a lobby for uh, for him to make it into he that uh, in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Well, he had all those bad, you know, it, it's his it's his career record. Like he had he had just he had awful years there, particularly with the you know the Patriots, yeah, exactly. which is.
1: Which so, is okay with us if had Yeah, us. with that by the way, that is the only wrong answer, is the New England Patriots. Right? Anything else, like I don't root for football, is fine. Yeah. It's fine,
3: fine. but you can't say Patriots. Okay. New England That's Patriots, your and you're yeah. you
1: banned. You we banned we actually uh banned um two US presidents from coming back. <laughs>
0: coming back from what? I'm not saying <laughs> Uh well, no, you're safe and we we really thoroughly enjoyed that. It's been way yeah. too long. I'm so glad to because I,
3: yeah, let, let, I
0: let, you let, we were and, sitting at a dream force at a at a hotel lobby
1: uh, yes. just kind of talking right that's- well, I will tell you though that idea about you and your daughter we will be coming back to you on that specifically. <laughs> that sounds great actually yes, very soon
3: excellent. It's always fun to spend time with you guys thank you i, I it, it's been. It's been far too long, and uh, um, uh, thank you for thinking of me. So I really appreciate it.
1: Oh, are you kidding? It's Awesome. Thanks for coming on, too. All right. So on behalf
0: of Larry Augustine, I am Brent Leary. I am Paul Greenberg. And we cannot say goodbye. I was going to show my uh, my no. birthday to Rosie Greer.
1: <laughs> I mean, he hey, was a he just two, turned so I like him. Month, Look, I like. I'm a fan. He was a New York Giant, also. So, by the way,
0: my dad grew up with Rosie. My I, Rosie almost married my aunt, but that's besides the point. Wow. Yeah, you know, little known facts. I'm trying to find Minnie and 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 trying to stall. So now we can say hi to Minnie and goodbye to you, and we will see you Monday for a very special announcement. Bye.